Welcome to the Trash Cats Trash Cast. I'm Richard. I'm Steven. And today, even though everything is meaningless and death is inevitable, we're going to talk about art anyways. I feel like this is going to be the type of episode where I smoke a lot. (laughs) (laughs) I love the idea there could be a Frenchman listening somewhere in the world, laying on his bed depressed, smoking a cigarette as it slowly smolders and ashes all over his face. Just just a butt of a cigarette with an inch and a half of ash hanging off of it. It's lovely. How was your week? My week's been good. I've been doing, you know, just chilling, hanging out, working a bunch. But um God, you made that sound terrible. Yeah, I know. I realize I I don't really have anything nothing stands out. It's uh it's it's everything's okay. Yeah. How are you doing? <laughs> It's all a waste of time. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Everything's meaningless. It's all a waste of time. <laughs> yeah, mine's been okay. Better than, I guess, the last couple of weeks. But I'll, I'll roll this into my honorable mentions. So I've been kind of feeling uncertain lately, particularly with my art and trying to figure out where to put my time mm-hmm. and... I've spent a lot of time feeling pretty lost and that life's all meaningless and absurdity, but I I have chosen to have strong, a strong North Star and like define my own purpose. So when I I feel uncertain now, it dysregulates me pretty good. Mm -hmm. And uh, I... I've figured out how to avoid that for the most part. But this week, I I heard a couple things that that stuck with me. And the first was a quote I really liked that roughly said, you're supposed to reevaluate your life when you make a mistake. And if you didn't make a mistake, you shouldn't question your confidence. I like that. Mm -hmm. Felt like a a nice reminder because I was feeling a little wavery and it was like, Yo, fuck this! I didn't, I didn't make mistakes. Like I'm, I'm doing what I should be doing, and there's no reason to, to question that too much. And instead, it's you know push forward. And then th- the second one <clears throat> is just a single word, a goofy German word, and it's uh, <laughs> Sitzflesh, which is uh, translates to sit flesh, but the German word has a strong connotation to productivity, like Mm. most German things. And uh, the idea is essentially that some people have the sitting flesh and other people don't, where if you have it, it means that you can endure the lengthy, boring parts of a task until you get them done. And I, Mm. I like the idea of if you have direction and you have the sitting flesh, you can do what you want to do. I definitely don't have the sitting flesh. Why? Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not. If especially if it's something like that, I have to do monotonously. I lose my mind. Why do if you do it with work? So with with work, that's even like when we do like prep and stuff like that, where it's like just a bunch of the same thing for hours. It's it's more difficult. Because it just, I, I have to like step away. I literally have to step away and like take breaks. Okay, I know. Just to like this. look at something else or like move around a little bit. I'll bring this back to our age-old <laughs> conversation about art and why there's the two types of artists. There's the people that redline and have to let off steam, and then there's the other people that need it, and it it becomes a regular part of their lives. Mm-hmm. And I don't understand why people that have so much discipline in some parts of their lives don't have the sitting flesh to do the the things that they enjoy the most. I mean, I guess to that argument, like I still get stuff done, like I'm still going to get it done, but I'm it's if specifically the, you know, uh in the definition you've given, the lengthy and boring tasks, stuff like that. I don't think it's limited to just that, but the just the grind of things, like whether it's doing prep. I mean, I could, I could, I think you could expand it just to waking up and going to work every day. The 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 ability I mean, to press I, forward through the parts of a a goal you don't want to get through. Okay, well, in that case, then sure. I just means if, if we're being very specific about, I like, think it's more just tenacity. Yeah, just to to finish 
the shitty things. I mean, yeah, I I get that done. (laughs) 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 I mean, you know, I just I had a (laughs) I had a different meaning, a different definition, I guess that I was I was in. At least for art, most people don't have the sitting flesh, though. That's fair. I mean, I I think that's I think that's somewhat normal. Yeah, I don't know. There, there's something with not that I've achieved any success with my own creative pursuits, nor particularly expect to. But I feel like it's one of those things where, uh, like, showing up on time is like the minimum bar of entry to like keeping a good job. I feel like mm-hmm. the succeeding the creative realms, the the sitting flush is like the minimum to to have a shot type of deal mm. do you object no no I, I i was just absorbing that hmm. yeah I, I mean i don't know I, I feel like it's it's so up to i guess the interpretation of how you of the connotation that you put it in and it's the ability to sit down and just do the work to finish a drawing that you start even though you know it's going to take 10 hours to know like uh i i might be looking at this piece of art for the next week if I don't want to give up on it. Like, that type of shit. Yeah, okay. And see, and then in that case, sometimes I don't have that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. My overall point is it's just not worth always questioning what you, what I'm doing, but that there is only forward into the absurd. So we're going to look at some uh, absurdist art theory. The absurd lies in the juxtaposition between the fundamental human need to attribute meaning to life and the unreasonable silence of the universe in response. Today we're taking a look at an article by Susanna Andrews titled Art as Reaction to Meaninglessness. Artistic expression and the function it serves have always been a cause of contention. Creativity itself is an organic and vast phenomenon showcasing the imagination of the human mind. Because of its ambiguity, arguments surrounding its purpose lead to no right answers. The philosopher and novelist Albert Camus proposes his own perspective on this topic in the context of absurdism, a theory defined by the meaninglessness of life. Absurd creation is a term he coined to label humanity's drive to invent out of alienation experienced from the awareness of an absurd existence. Here is an outline of absurdism, the power of creative expression, the inevitable downfalls of creation, and the question of art's value. We've talked about the value of art quite a bit. I, I, I think more and more there, there is no value. It's worthless, all it's, of it. Yeah, it's just just expression. Uh, the, the value you can, uh, for, a lot, for a lot of people, you can con out of people to get for your work mm-hmm. is, is so irrelevant. It's a buyer's market. Yeah, it's it's like uh, trading emotions. Like instead of a fucking Pokemon card, you're you're trading. Like you put out a piece of art, and people get to take their their little bits of emotion or expression out of it, and you just trade it freely in this weird realm. That's what NFTs are. Man, I just watched. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna. There might be a pause here. I just watched a new YouTube doc on ai art that was actually very well made the guy is a copyright lawyer and he talks about the latest in the ethics and changes of how ai art is happening and i i feel more and more as much i think as the people that were kind of ringing the fear bells mm-hmm more and more, it is fundamentally changing. I feel like I'm going to become an, an increasingly more niche artist, which I, I kind of like, but it, it is a weird, very weird problem. The documentary is called The AI Art Apocalypse by Hello Future Me. Shout out to him. Very interesting. You'll like it. It's like two and a half hours. Like He went all the fuck in on uh, prompts creation and the ethics in training AIs off artist work and uh, copyright law. Very cool.
Fuck yeah. Absurdism is a philosophy defined by the belief that deriving meaning from existence is impossible. The world is chaotic, and it is infeasible to impose order. The concept of absurdity survives due to humanity's denial of it. Without the presence of humans living in the world, the world would be freed of it. (laughs) Those who gain awareness of the absurd experience a form of alienation that is torturous without discovering an outlet to express their inner turmoil. Albert Camus was a French existentialist born in 1913 who wrote extensively on philosophy. He disputed people's perception of him as an existentialist or even as a philosopher at times, but embraced the label of an absurdist, which he wrote about in his books The Stranger, The Plague, and The Myth of Sisyphus. In the latter novel, he compares the story of Sisyphus, a character in Greek mythology, to the never-ending, pointless struggles of humans to find meaning. Sisyphus upsets the gods and is condemned to forever push a boulder up a mountain, which proceeds to roll down every time he reaches the top. He attempts to prevent the inevitable, but nothing works. Just like Camus' perspective that no matter how hard people try, the meaning of life can never be uncovered. What do you think? Do you think it can be uncovered or do you lean towards the absurd? I know we've gone down this rabbit hole before, but... I mean... I feel like I I feel like it can I I feel like it's a personal thing, right? Like the meaning there there isn't a meaning of life that's for every single person, but that's just my opinion. You love I just listened back to our last episode. Mm-hmm. You love circumstantial and subjective. I mean, we're that's that's deleted. yeah. Absolutely I know. No, do. we're t- let's let's say truth is th- Regardless of what people think their their true meaning is or what the circumstances of life are, do you feel like there could be true meaning? A a a one in whole true meaning to life? Yeah. No. Is that because you don't think that could be true, or do you th- think it's more absurd than that? No, because I think if if you, what you're if what you're saying is that there is a truth that exists whether we know it or recognize it or value it in any way that truth that exists it is outside of our knowledge if it's outside of our knowledge but it exists it ex- then it is of the knowledge of uh, a a higher power or something like that which I don't believe in well. I'm pushing for the sake of both uh, argumentative discussion to f- figure out what we believe or to see if we uncover anything. Mm-hmm. A lot of people think things such as love or or faith, self-knowing, whatever, like could be obvious goals to life. That that life's not absurd. It is about uh, experiencing love and loving the people around you, learning to love yourself, whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, could do you is there a realm where you could see that as being a truth to the meaning of life where it, it isn't something subjective like my truth or what I think is the true meaning of life could be wrong because it is in fact this thing that other people might believe? No, I, I don't think I don't think life works that way. What if it's a video game and we just gotta get to the last level? And we haven't been told the rules of the game, but we have to get there. <laughs> well, uh, we have uh, to get to the center of the maze. Some fucking asshole at Bethesda made that, so I'm, I'm then, then the, it's different. That's circumstantial. What if there's one black hole? You're giving me circumstances. Yeah. What if there's one black hole in space that when you go through, you complete life? I mean, we'll get there eventually. I heard a really good um, theory. Uh, to debate flat earthers about you know the the sky is a dome and it's flat the moon's fake that mm-hmm. type of thing this person's argument it, it was i thought you would like because it's it, it's creative but it's a physical practical rebuttal like there's all kinds of ways to prove the moon exists and we're we're on this rotating earth but this one person's answer was to install a very large mirror on the moon 
that with the right coordinates, you could use a laser pointer just to be able to see a reflection in space. Didn't they do that already? I don't believe so. Is that a thing that I don't know? I absolutely think that they did that. Or they, they have something up there that is, yeah. I feel like that's a Ricky answer to that question. Proof we made it to the moon. You can st- you s- can still bounce a laser off the lunar reflective. Yeah. That's so cool. I didn't know that was a thing. This was a person's uh Yeah, I wanted to say I, I read not too long ago someone was like, Well, how come why don't we just put something up there and then we could look in a microscope or might look in a telescope and see it? And they were like, Well, we we definitely did that. Not only that, you can see the if you look through a well, telescope, you can see some of the tracks of like lunar rover shit or like the Well sure, but the the skeptics on that feel that the technology involved into a telescope that could see that far could easily fake the image you're shown but something like you can make the- you can make a telescope with mirrors and and lenses you forge yourself or buy from your trusted lens maker not that that, that can see yeah absolutely that good fucking galileo had a telescope that can see the fucking planets and shit the average person is not going to be able to see physical things on the moon's surface with the telescope they make yeah they could i don't think so okay well to, we, we it agreed. takes a lot of money and craftsmanship to make a lens to give you that well i'm what, what i'm getting at is if you if you wanted to be like okay i'm not going to use you know the fucking nasa telescope or you know something i buy that's got like programming and whatever in it i want to prove that I, you know, that it's not there and I'm going to get all of the, the, you know, other flat earth craftsmen that I know to help me make a, a telescope. Sure. Sure. You can but make I, one and it will give you the ability. But I think practically you, there's laser pointers you can buy off Amazon that yeah, get exactly. to the That's moon. Just, yeah. Just an interesting solution to, uh. A bunch of dumbasses, probably. Yeah, a bunch of idiots that <laughs> need something else to worry about in life. Have you seen the thing with the newest Samsung phones in moon photography? No, I have not. I believe, I may be mistaken, I believe the newest iPhones do it and the newest Samsung. They have these special modes to capture the moon really well. Mm-hmm. But when you focus on the moon, like people are getting amazing photos of the moon now on their phone. And they actually have special like portrait modes for the moon on the newest phones. And what it's doing is running AI that recognizes the moon. And then it's substituting your photo that you're taking with pixels supplied by the ai of their moon models oh wow that's actually really cool it's cool but it's also kind of shitty because you could take a photo of the moon to capture one thing but you're actually just getting it's basically the equivalent on some new phones that you're scanning an invisible qr code and they give you a photo of the moon i mean while that's true that like that it sucks, but like there is, there is a thing that I'm sure it's not something that's just, it's always there and you can never turn it off. If it's a that's filter the, or a lens that you're using. That's the thing is they didn't even say it existed. They were just doing it. And then as people were discovering it, they started making it a mode you could turn on and off. But initially on one specific new phone, it wasn't even said it was a thing. People were realizing their photos of the moon looked way better than their phone had business capturing. And then as people were going through the phone's code, they realized what was happening. Now, knowing it's a tool is really cool. Mm -hmm. But the idea of being, of of living in our, I don't know, so fundamentally tech-infused world that your phone is tricking you. Like, imagine showing people this photo of a moon that you're like i took this like isn't this so cool i got this photo i set up all the conditions i lined it up just right and you're really showing them 
an AI's interpretation of a moon. Mm-hmm. That's weird, right? It is. And like, I, that's some I can see shit. where there are like other implications in that. Yeah. But I feel like that move itself is innocent enough of like, I agree. People are just trying to get cool pictures of the moon and they recognize that like night, even night mode on a camera isn't going to sure. get you what you want because of how far away it is and shit. And you know, the, okay, the you need, you need them work. You seem very <laughs> lackadaisical today. I'll I give you a more extreme example. Okay. The Rittenhouse trial. Okay. <laughs> Part of what would have proved him guilty was some cell phone. It was either cell phone or drone footage that said it showed him brandishing a rifle, a rifle at people, which would have showed intent, right? Mm-hmm. This footage had to be magnified way larger than it was meant to be, and they had to bring in various experts on uh, pixel in- interpolation and magnification of digital imagery mm-hmm. and the various algorithms involved. Yeah. Because to prove whether he was or was not holding a gun at a specific point in time may have came down to as many as five to ten pixels, right? Mm-hmm. Now, during that court case, it comes to light that even the normal phone apps are filling pixels to make what they believe the image it's not like a film camera where despite all the flaws of film it captures what it can capture physically Mm -hmm. now with digital it's capturing to the best of its knowledge but what the things it can't make out whether it's a small amount of pixels from really far away it's feeling with what it thinks is correct. And then past that, it's also getting compressed and uncompressed, distorted, undistorted, until in the background of a drone shot, you might have what you can tell as a person, but you can no longer tell if they're actually holding something like a gun or not. Of of course, like that's nefarious and, and scary to think about, and you know, the, think that people would be using that technology for that. The difference it's not nefarious. The, to think that people are that you're you could use a um, an AI generated image of sorts. No, of, I'm of saying any, uh, it's saying that like the the camera. But it wasn't. It, it's just the the way to get a phone camera to work its best. Like it's not somebody running AI on the footage. It's like right on right. everyone. Yeah, that's so. What I'm saying is if. Implying that in the you know at some point the drones will have that technology as well and can record that way and use AI adaptively to fill in things where there's low lighting mm. and you know like it looks kind of blurry just to sharpen yeah. the image and make a better thing like that's also could be cool but if you're using it in a case where like the matter of a few pixels makes right. the difference and if somebody is you know innocent of uh you know is going to jail or not right kind of thing so the the two cases are different where it's like i get where you're coming from but also we know what the moon looks like it's always facing the same way to us so it's not like it's you know it's hard to fill in like we have a, so many pictures of the good pictures of the moon already. Yeah, it's like we know this ridge is always good. Like if you're take even if your photo's shitty, when you're the these ridges are being noticed by the AI, we know that should be in your photo. Too. Right, exactly. But isn't that I'm I'm not complaining about these things. Like th- this is how technology advances. This isn't like a a, a conspiracy skeptic thing, but it is it is a weird problem where in a lot of ways it feels I, I just I feel a lot of absurdity there like where I can take a picture and it's it's not even even as the user I don't even necessarily know it's tricking me to show me something I thought I captured that I didn't or mm-hmm. I thought was there and didn't or just I don't know I, I feel like it's just like a, a perfect case example of absurdity (laughs) yeah i think it's cool people just want to 
feel like they got a good picture of the moon. Just let us have a win. <laughs> it's whatever. <laughs> Fucking life doesn't mean anything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It doesn't if it, it it doesn't change anything enough for me to, you know, I don't know. I I, I don't see it as a problem at all. I think it's I think I'm it's goofy. I, see it as I a think problem. it's goofy that you said it was a problem. Not no. you said just a minute ago. Here. What did I you say? say you, the words re- you used were. Um, I might have said it could be problematic, like in a court case, but I think it's like the it's the result of technology becoming as good as it can be. Like I don't think it's I don't think it's nefarious that these things have occurred, but I I feel like it's weird. It's strange that we can take pictures that aren't what we aren't reality anymore. Just of the moon. Not just of the. I mean, at, at, as far as we know, to some degree, on any digital camera, it's I mean, occurring. any any time you put on a filter, not even a filter. No, but I'm saying any time you put on a filter, like that's what you're getting. Like, well, you, sure, but that 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 would be a controlled aesthetic choice. But to some degree or another, on any digital device, if you take a photo, like we know, it's all an illusion. But as the technology is getting better, it's filling in more and more of the frame with things that you weren't trying to capture. Yeah, and I think that's cool. I don't think it's not cool, but it's it's strange. Yeah. There's so much good that can come from that, but it's also it can be problematic as well. If it exists, it's being used for evil. <laughs> One method that Kemu identifies to cope with the brutality of becoming conscious of the absurdity of existence is through artistic creation. He presents the choice to create as a privileged way to deal with the mental strain of realization. It's a physical manifestation of the freedom that humans have. Without the belief in a god, individuals can act on their own volition. Kemu labels creative acts as rebellions against reality. It's a nice term. Yeah. Art allows the mind to detach from the self and expand to understand the connection between the one seeking solace from an internal battle and others. In Myth of Sisyphus, Camus states that artistic expression is the ultimate form of joy. He defines all creators as absurd, since the pure act of creation is an expression of the absurdity of existence, even if the artist lacks this awareness. Through art, humans can recreate reality giving order to a disorganized world. Creators can play God, fabricating universes and inventing a closed-off realm where they can control the knowledge that defines their society. The characters one might write in a novel can engage with their surroundings and other inhabitants without feelings of alienation. A vibrant version of the true material world can be developed to bring life to harsh actualities. In Camus' literary work, his characters were written to intentionally highlight the challenges people endure as they search for their purpose in life. He explored the difficulties of navigating social, natural, and material dimensions in the context of a meaningless mentality. The process of creation is perceived as a transformative action, choosing desirable elements, and integrating idealistic features unattainable in real life. There's no fictional earth without the drive from a philosophical mindset. To build something novel is to develop complex identities. That's basically exactly what the Marvel Cinematic Universe is all about. God, I fucking hate (laughs) that fucking world. I mean, don't be. Let's. I'll just be real about it. Uh, DC does it too. They have the whole like Earth Two, like versions of all the superhero stories and shit. But it just all sucks. <laughs> like, it, it's everything just feels so phony. Well, think think about it from the perspective of uh, their internet doesn't exist, and you need something to think of this cool when you're ki- you're kidding. That's not like. You know, setting things on fire. Comic books were probably the the coolest shit. <laughs> Kemu emphasizes the free aspect of employing imagination and its capability to encourage viewers of its products into action. If the audience is faced with a world created in the context of an absurdist viewpoint, the facade of a complete explanation of the significance of occupying this planet may be questioned. Although artistic expression is a way to channel the weight of carrying this hopelessness, Camus states there is no fleeing from absurdity. 
since creation is still considered an absurd undertaking. Designing a new world doesn't erase the fact that reality still stands superior, as it's the real world humans live in. Imaginary realms may distract from the tangible truth all around us, but absorbing and creating art can only transport the mind for so long. He states that, quote, creating or not creating changes nothing. It may bring temporary solace to the artist, but it can't alter the absurdity of existence. That is very true. Yeah, I like that. It's a nice uh, distraction, but that's about it. Did I send you that um, optimistic nihilism video? No. I found a video on, it was on Instagram, it popped up, but the guy was talking about um, my life's gotten better ever since I started trying optimistic nihilism, and it really sticks with it made me think, oh, maybe I'm not so stoic after all, because it's almost exactly how I feel about a lot of things. And I think you edge towards, you know, you, you lean towards nihilism a little bit more than I do. Mm. But I feel like it's got such a negative connotation of like, you know, nothing matters and everything's but like, I can find some kind of joy in that. And like, it makes other things feel more meaningful. And I think that's the optimistic part. Yeah, you always go there with the dirt ball theory stuff. I, I, I can see that have holding a lot of truth for you. I, I think I try to act that way, but I definitely don't believe in the the positiveness of nihilism. Yeah. Like the the like everything is chaos, so I'm gonna make the most of it or take what's mine or or like just be happy. I think that's a really good way to be, but I cannot feel that when I when I tap into nihilism, which I definitely feel pretty naturally. Don't worry. In about ten years, I'll have a brain chip to fix that. <sighs> not if make every, not if make Elon everything keeps better. running <laughs> X into the ground. Yeah, X. <laughs> what a fucking loser. Through the eyes of an absurdist, art doesn't hold intrinsic value. In fact, it's believed in this philosophy that nothing has inherent value simply by virtue of existing. However, Kemu does acknowledge the extrinsic value art holds and the purpose it does serve. Through art, the spirit of revolution can be expressed, and the embrace of absurdity can be reached. It's a functional medium, stripped of potential for emotional attachment or spiritual movement like some perceive it to be capable of. Devil's advocate. Mm-hmm. Let's be a super positive artist okay one of those people that they fucking love art and so cool and it gets to connect them to other people in the world and they would advocate that their art holds a a lot of meaning and it's important to other people and that makes it very valuable i don't know i don't know i don't know what i'm getting at but i I, i've Man, I would love to <laughs> shatter people's dreams. Like, <laughs> I I wish there was a way to, uh, like, as a superpower to, like, beam absurdity into other people. Just crush the hope, any gleam of a hope left in someone else's eyes. Just Doesn't that sound so satisfying? <laughs> Nothing nothing really happens on the outside, maybe a little bit of a facial change. But, <laughs> but you one know tear but you know what just happened to that person. <laughs> now, I, I I was trying to find a way to frame that better, but I feel like there's a an interesting argument between that divide of creators, the people that they I, I want my art to be meaningful and I, I it is to myself, but I know the things I'm making hold no true inherent meaning. Mm -hmm. And it's frustrating when you see it with musicians all the time, but when fucking Kanye is the perfect example of thinking your work means so much more than it does. Yeah. I, I wish that was a, I don't know if I actually would want to like incite that level of like mental destruction to a person but i there there has to be a way to 
I don't know, combat overly. Uh, what would you even call it? Like air- just just humbling people, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Artists are both some of the coolest people and the worst people. The fucking worst. (laughs) Instead of viewing artistry as an extension of oneself or an expression of subconscious feeling, it's seen as a practice of self-discipline and an opportunity to grow in patience. The ability to directly influence every aspect of one's creation leads to a controlled environment that can launch the artist on a path to enlightened lucidity about reality. That part really reminds me like of the samurai or like the book of the five rings where you the karate kid style where you make the same sword cut 10,000 times just mm-hmm. to, to understand what it is. And when I've been kind of both playing with and thinking more and more about AI art, the reason I think I've grown to have more and more distaste distaste for it is because it isn't granted it's all absurd and i don't know if my art has any more inherent meaning than some loser mashing keys but i have no direct control of what is being created Mm-hmm. I have no control of the process or and I'm not making creative decisions and choices along the way. And to me that makes it so unfulfilling. Now, there's so much cool stuff out there, but it I don't know with with everything like if you're going to be engaging in an absurd activity, I would at least like to make the absurd choices along the way. <laughs> can I can I offer something? Yeah. AI art is to the visual art world what the industrial revolution is to the blacksmith. So Yeah, a lot of people becoming obsolete. <laughs> well, yeah, but like more or less like you can still, you know, even today you can hire someone who can forge you a knife, you know, something that's really dope and handmade and personalized and custom and mm-hmm. it'll probably probably last multiple lifetimes it's like and my dude uh ragged raven forge yeah man yeah. like they can do really cool and beautiful things but for the most part the people the like the majority of people don't need that don't need right. it don't want it they want functional shit for cheap yeah, rather they Good can get product. they can get something for you know a, a tiny tiny fraction of the price mm-hmm. that's gonna last them you know twenty years or so, and it might still be very high quality. They're not they'll they'll even just not sharp they'll get it, buy a knife for you know thirty forty bucks and they won't sharpen it ever, and then they'll get a new one in ten years and it won't it won't be a thing. Well, you'll find this interesting. There's a new wave of artists that are promoting the genre of artisan art where (laughs) yeah where it's their way of distinguishing themselves from ai that they are pen in hand physical artists and that that may at some point have a turn where that becomes more valued again or more niche like my art before AI, I I had been kind of playing with my style of digital collage very early. There weren't like a ton yeah. of digital collage people when I first started. And now that's a very common thing to see on like an Instagram or whatever. And now as tech moves even farther past that, where there's less human creative decisions involved and it's all digital and all all the different aspects of ai the it's kind of weird to be in a, a niche that was like at one point ahead is now behind and because it's not a fully handmade thing it's going to be much more undervalued than i feel like the uh niches of art before and after it it's just so it's a weird thing. 
Yeah, I, I, th- I think it is a little bit silly to you know specify the artisan artist kind of thing, but it might become relevant it. though. Yeah, I mean that's I mean that's marketing in the twenty first century. That's yeah, <laughs> how that works. The creator must invent with the mindset that what results is meaningless. They must be completely detached and not feel a personal tie to it. This perspective is the only way true freedom can be attained in the process. Because of this, Camus strongly believes that separating the artist from their work destroys any chance for finding value in art. Wait, help me understand that. He he believes that separating the artist from their work destroys the chance of finding value in the work. That He's saying that the work itself doesn't have any value. Connecting that work to a person mm-hmm. and their story and who they are and their experience, that's what makes it valuable. That's so interesting because my philosophy has always been about detach, depersonalizing it. Like I, I, We talked about it like two episodes. I want to be as separated as a human being from my art as possible to the point I, I still like will – share that uh, a podcast episode like connected to my art stuff but it feels weird for me to even share a podcast on one of my art things because i don't i don't want there to even be an insight to who i am i like the right. work completely in a vacuum where I, I i find that i don't know i don't know why but to me that makes it more valuable than to be t- like a, a a piece of art. I don't know. Maybe I do. Maybe I'm just been wrong. Maybe I'm just super depressive and nihilistic. Maybe and, <laughs> and find a bunch of value in art because it, on its own, I find I I get something from looking at art. But as soon as it's tied to a dirty person, some piece of shit is dirtying up this pure piece of art mm-hmm. that takes away from it for me. And to be clear, when you say a dirty person, you're not saying someone who's done something dirty in particular. You just mean a person. Yeah, just period. a person existing that breathes air. That breathes air and shits. and yeah. <laughs> that They're taking away from the art I like. Like, if you look close enough at any artist you admire, there's, a, there's something really shitty about them. Mm-hmm. If their art was just being published anonymously, I like that way more. So Banksy. Yeah. <laughs> Next paragraph. (laughs) Art can only be seen as valuable if prospective consumers can understand this implied function and implement thoughts of absurdism into their own philosophy. Value is stripped away of the artist's attempts and explanation of their work in hopes of conveying a message or a desired interpretation. Having an absurd outlook meanings that striving to fully comprehend anything in such a chaotic world is a fruitless endeavor. Yeah, there's nothing I fucking hate more than when an artist explains their work. You know, I can tell you something worst. I hate more. What? When a uh, recipe page on the internet Ooh. explains how they first found the to make this theory. recipe. No, it's just like, oh, and uh, back in the fall of <laughs> 97, when, you know, my partner Max and my dog were sitting by the fireplace and I, we decided we wanted something warm and tasty. And I just had these beans in the cabinet. So <laughs> I heated up the beans and put some salt on them. And here's my recipe. And you got to scroll for pages and pages and pages before you get to the ingredients of what's in it okay the reason that bothers you i'm gonna circle back because your reply was very underwhelming the same reason you don't like that is the same reason i hate artists talking about their work and Mm -hmm. why i hate phones replacing pictures of the moon because it's phony it's it's so phony and fake doesn't it just feel like... Was that pun intended or... I, I don't know. <laughs> you, you hate the phones because they're phony? Oh, my God. I, everything, <laughs> everything's so insincere. Yeah. And if there's one thing I feel like we probably do okay as podcasters is we're pretty sincere fellas. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, there's just so much like fake bullshit where it has like a... A marketing goal or or an aim to get you to do XYZ or a call to action or a 
uh, emotional manipulation or just a little, all these little tricks. That's capitalism, baby. You're not wrong. (laughs) But I I think it's more than that. It's like a, I mean, it is that, but Uh, but, but there's like a human nature to it. A society that we've created that especially exists on the internet. It does exist outside of it, but especially on the internet, that is just market. Market, market, market. Sell, manipulate, trick, lie. Like it's all, it's all like, uh, it's all these like little small cons. <laughs> That's life. It it's is. life but, in a nutshell. Yeah, you're right. It is like a directly tied to, to money and greed, but I think there is something superhuman about it too. Like I was just listening to um, a debate on the origins of racism. And because you hear people talk all the time and it's a nice little one-off line or quote or whatever, but to say like hatred is taught, it's not natural. Mm -hmm. Kids that grow up in a racist home, they learn that from something, from someone. You don't just like become that way. And there is truth to that, like that on a like societal level, like kids aren't becoming necessarily racist all on their own but there is a thing like racism is human nature to to just toss it away as people being evil is really naive too like there's a reason we gravitate towards people that look like us or that we i don't know like judge or fear people different than us like that is such a innate like organic human thing and that I is can, something yeah. that you yeah, learn to overcome too but it it is an it's both a taught and natural thing yeah i I, th- I think in the in the context of like not giving people you know rights and chances and shit like that like that part's taught but in, yeah. in the context of like this is a new experience or this is something I have less experience with is being around people that don't look like me. Yeah, like yeah, I, I can true. I can see where you're coming from on that. Yeah, not that none of that should be excused in our our world today, but that there there are parts of us whether it's fearing the unknown or just wanting I don't know like a, a slight control of others that that is a, a natural thing. Yeah, I, I, I've long said that I, I really feel like so much of the xenophobic and like whatever bigoted shit that people can come up with nowadays is can be at least worked through somewhat, maybe not cured all the way, but worked through a bit if people just had more experience with one another. I mean, you see you know, so much more of the ignorance in places where people are around people who are more like themselves in larger bunches, like Florida, for example, everyone was scared of one neighborhood because there were a couple black families that lived there. And they told me, don't go work at Domino's because if you end up delivering pizzas and you go over there, you're going to get robbed. And it's like, oh, clearly, like, y'all don't have any perception of what it's like to know a black person at all. It's, a, uh, it's, it's an interesting, like, exposure therapy to any form of closed mind. It definitely is, like, one of the, the go-to solutions. The, the interesting problem with that is it's, like, uh, it's one of those things, like, you could have, let's say, like, with, like, people hate the police, right? Yeah. Like as a general thing, or a lot of people do. But nine out of 10 of your interactions might be benign or even positive. But all it takes is like one bad experience. And it, throughout your lifetime, two or three bad experiences with any class like or grouping of a person, it, it changes how we feel way more than it logically should. Well, yeah. I, th- I mean, I like, think that's, that's, that's how we human. survive. You that's know? the human part. Where yeah, it's like- that's, yeah, you burn yourself on the stove one time, and that's all it takes for the rest of your life to be careful about, you know, when you go up and use a stove. Yeah. It, yeah. Do you do that with your cats where you just, like, expose them to the bad shit they want to do? 
Like, have you ever tried that route? Like, uh, like, like if they, I see them making bad decisions and just kind of let them go do it? Yeah, like every once in a while, it's like, you know what? Fuck them. I'm just going to let them make that mistake and yeah, they'll, they'll absolutely. learn. absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, my cat would not stop trying to play with candles. Like, yeah, that was exactly the one that came to mind. <laughs> and I was always so afraid. I'm like, if I leave a room that has a candle in it, are they going to catch their tail on fire? And exactly. Like, so, yeah, I had to, like in a controlled way, let them get their their whiskers a little too close, get a little singed. And I'm like, you're not going near that candle again. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that is called being a good father. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't tried that with Jeremy yet, but I'm a little more afraid with him because he's got that long, pretty he's fur. A, he's a little reckless. He is a little reckless. That's for goddamn sure. <laughs> he's a little, uh, he's got a little case of the stoops. <laughs> a little stupid. So in the end, creation just cycles back to strengthening one's understanding of the disorderly world we exist in, even though it's impossible to obtain complete knowledge. Camus does believe in the power of creative expression to shed light on the absurdity of life as a human, but he also warns us that nothing we do to avoid the harsh truths outlined in philosophy will affect the reality we live in. I I think I stand with that as well. Yeah. I can I can definitely see a lot of um the reading through this, I can see a lot of you in this. I can see this in some of the perspectives we talked we've, you know, had before. Cause I, I think like the, the last couple of weeks, like my uncertainness particularly with creative stuff is like why why bother doing this if mm-hmm. if i've got to the point where i enjoy it i feel like i'm making good things generally it, i i get pleasure out of making and looking at what i've made mm-hmm. but i already know what i can do and it's not changing my existence then what is the point? And I, I think I was wrestling that a bit of like, is it wor- what level of reward is it worth if it doesn't change anything? And I, I think what I go back to is it's life is the absurd part and this feels good. And it's one of the only things that feels that way to me. So there's no point of questioning that. Mm-hmm. For me, I guess I, I something you just said made me think in the manner of you can rest on your laurels sometimes. It's it's nice to do that sometimes of like knowing that I've a I made a thing, I accomplished this thing. Yeah. And you said it's just knowing I could, knowing what I can do. And it's like I I know what I'm capable of, at least at this point. Like I, I've uh, I've done something that I thought was good, that I thought was like worth worth the investment into it. But what is it? You know, is it what is it worth doing it again, or trying harder? And like the, finding a a thing to challenge yourself to pull yourself off your laurels. I think is the. That's yeah. the thing we seek, right? Is like the it's not just doing something, doing it, doing it again. It's doing something new, doing something different, better. Yeah, like there, when you finish a piece, I'm sure you have a, a comparable experience with cooking or or with your career all the time, or like uh, you finish a piece of art, and there's sometimes where you're like you double down and as soon as you finish, you roll right into the next and you keep the Mm -hmm. good momentum. And other times it's like, I can take a breath, rest on my, my laurels. Even if it's not like always the wisest thing to do, it's like, I've earned this. I can rest for a moment because I've proven what I'm already capable of. I I, I had one of those moments uh, a couple weeks ago. I made, made one of our super fruit bowls with my eyes closed, chopped up all the fruit 
and uh, placed That's it on cool, there. That's cool, dude. It was very, it was very cool. That's a little samurai moment. It, it, it was the the first one. <laughs> the first one didn't turn out as great. <laughs> I but bet I, you make I, one with I your eyes from closed that. better than I could with my eyes open. Uh, probably, <laughs> but it, it's just That's from cool. it's just because of that repetition and like doing the same thing over and over again and like. And it helps, like, using the knife, I wouldn't recommend to anybody. Like, I've had the same knife for 10 years, and I feel... That's awesome. It's it's different. Like, I'm not going to cut myself with this knife. With the podcast, I definitely can see, in the short amount of time, there's a way higher chance of doing something that changes our reality with this than my own personal work. Mm-hmm. But it's... Ne- it would be the chances or realistic expectation of that would be astronomically low, right? Like that's not why I do things. It's not why we do this podcast, but it, so so there's like such a strong feeling of absurdity to it, at least for me where it's, there's, there's like moments where it's like, I don't know why I'm doing this, but as an overall, it's like, this is what feels good. Mm-hmm. Where I, you, you I, just got to think, why not? I, I wonder if there's a there has to be some sort of theory that's kind of like a mix between absurdism and hedonism. <laughs> because I, <laughs> I, I I feel like there's, there's nothing really, matters, so I'm just gonna eat and fuck. <laughs> yeah, dude. Like I fe- break shit and fuck on the floor. I, <laughs> there there's a really interesting like overlap of those two that I feel like could be a fun tunnel to dive down. Like if nothing matters, why not fool fuck beast mode shit, you know? Yeah. E- eat berries and fuck things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How come it's always grapes and berries? It's decadent. It's yeah. cla you know what it is? It's classy. You know what's decadent? Is fucking it's, uh... <laughs> Do tell. Steven, you know it's decadent. What's Banquet that? frozen meals. Oh, God. <laughs> God <damn it. laughs> I don't think I'll ever eat one of those again. Since we st- they feel so... You know, that check never came through, and I'm pissed about that. <laughs> After they ripped us off for that sponsorship last time. I'm never buying Banquet products ever again. Banquet meals. It's just raccoon meat. It's just... <laughs> Banquet meals, find them in the trash. <laughs> oh, fuck. So, what are you going to do tonight? What absurdness are you going <laughs> to wander into? You got a banquet meal lined up? Some oh, berries man, on the side? busted. Um, You're busted? Uh, no, actually, I'm probably going to uh, take a shower and go straight fucking to bed after this. That's absurd. <laughs> <laughs> Why bother? Go to bed dirty and stay up. Yeah, go to bed dirty and stay up. <laughs> um, yeah, that's all I got. That's chill. <laughs> yeah, get, get, get us out of here. I'm sorry. <laughs> Thanks again for listening, everybody. Thank you to Approaching Human for the use of his music. You can find his work on SoundCloud at Approaching Human. John, I don't even know why you're bothering working on this album, but <laughs> I'm, I'm really looking forward to you finishing it. <laughs> Something the soundtrack to listen to while the earth just crumbles apart. <laughs> Make sure to check out the show page at Trash Cats Trash Cast on Instagram for news and art from the show. Check out Facebook for the memes. The memes. If you're super bored, you can check out my meaningless art on Instagram at SkyZix, S-K-Y-Z-A-C-X. We got some cool episode ideas coming up and uh, a couple fun guests, potentially. So We're going to have uh, SkyZix himself. Oh, boy. You have to, you have to play character. In the- oh, that'd be so <laughs> terrible. I would have to use a voice modulator. Yeah. <laughs> This is a ransom but, video. But if you're hearing this now, just ignore it when it comes up yeah, later. of course. We'll edit it out. <laughs> yeah. That's going to be all for us today. Stay classy, eat trashy.
I was laughing because I was trying <laughs> I was trying to figure out whether I should ask you what you're doing after this because it would be fair and fun and I didn't know if you had something for it but also you had a really good lead in to just me ending the podcast yeah 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 and I was like stuck in that moment of <laughs> I, I realized it had been way too long. <laughs> I, I know that feeling. It's a very, it's a very funny feeling. Cause you're like, it feels like you're like on a train platform and the train's just slowly chucking away. Yeah, you're like the doors are closing and you're like, wait. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna hit stop. <laughs>